0: Last time on Montreal Sauce. It's
1: it's interesting because you get the vocabulary, right? Like you understand like where these terms in software now originated mm-hmm. from because you did the actual thing.
2: <laughs> it's true. There was actually cutting and pasting. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the story slam. Yeah here in Edmonton is the third in the world that's like been well, it was or? the third
2: in the world so now there's story slams all over the yeah. world but uh, uh, back in the day when uh, my sister started story slam here in Edmonton uh, she had lived in Vancouver attended a story slam uh, in Vancouver and there was another one in New York uh, which the moth is pretty famous mm-hmm. so uh, and now it's spread across the world there were tons of poetry slams but there were no story slams per se so uh, yeah we started it in uh, here in Edmonton, my sister uh, uh, found a venue, and uh, you know that our first story slam we went to. She was very nervous; she didn't know how many people would show up. We didn't have very many resources or ability to, to advertise ourselves, but uh, we had a, a good showing, and we had about seven or eight storytellers for the first story slam. And uh, it's yeah, ever since then, it's um, it's put on. It's a nonprofit now; we've become an official nonprofit. Uh, status and uh, there's a small group of us that uh, f- on the board that uh, makes sh- you know make sure it keeps going uh, it's uh, uh, it's uh, it's a passion for all of us we're all people who love uh, storytelling and we want to make sure that there is an ability for uh, for people uh, everyday people from writers to to uh, you know people that work from home to be able to come uh, and have their expressive side and share that with uh the world
1: and uh so was it the first one 2006
2: yes yes we're on our uh well i guess our it will be our 11th year coming up of story slam
1: um and so i guess for listeners like my mom uh what what is the story slam
2: Yeah. So Story Slam is a competition. We have it once a month at uh, right now. Our venue is the Mercury Room. Uh, We, uh, people go up, they will, uh, they sign up at the front uh, with myself or, or any of the volunteers at the front. We have up to 10 storytellers can go up and tell a five minute story. We have five audience judges that we pick randomly from the audience that will be judges. And after each story is done, uh, we, they will uh, judge the story from a uh, mark of one to 10. Uh, there can, uh, last story slam, we had 14 people sign up, which is uh, in a way too sad because the month before we only had six people sign up. So if they had balanced out, uh, they would have been enough for each night but when we have too many uh, storytellers we uh, have to draw 10 and so far people were unable to share their story that month which is uh, always makes me sad when that happens but it's great that we're becoming more popular uh it's uh, we do pass the hat uh, in the middle and people uh, can donate and all the proceeds from uh, or all the money that we collect goes to the winner of Story Slam. So that can be anywhere from a small audience night of one hundred and twenty dollars to a big night. Um, and if we are, have a partnership up to five hundred dollars. So it just depends on the night and uh, and whether or not we partnered with someone who wants to donate to us.
1: So has it always been um uh public event it wasn't just people getting together telling stories it's always been public and
2: yes yeah we uh um there's an element of the judging and the cash prize that makes it more exciting uh and i didn't realize that until one story slam we're like okay we'll have 10 people tell a story uh and then afterwards if people want to stay and tell the leftover stories they can and we realized it wasn't there was no excitement in doing that. There was no uh, having people tell the stories at the end when there was no competition. Part of it was not it really wasn't that thrilling or fun or even compelling. So I th- I feel like the judging and the um, and the chance of whether or not you can win is a real impetus to uh, whether uh, this event even happens. So, yeah, it's all about the money, really. <laughs> <laughs> um.
1: Yeah, I was just just curious because I had heard – I was telling people that you were going to be on and talking about Story Slam and um, someone had mentioned – I think it was Gail DeVos and how she's like a storyteller in Edmonton and how she used to have like a a group or – I think there's a storytelling festival that she was – part of and so yeah I was just curious if it started out as a slam right away or not.
2: Yeah, no it started out as a slam right away uh, and we yeah welcome everyone to come and be part of it so we have everyone from professional writers uh, we had uh, Matthew McKenzie uh, uh, who has uh, was a slam off winner a couple of times uh, he uh, produced some plays that, that came out of writing his five minute story so that's always exciting when people can take uh, what they've done and make it into something else. So he created art from it and I'm, yeah, we're really happy that that story slam spurred his creative side, uh, to allow him to, to create, uh, to create a play. So slam off is, um, I just mentioned slam off and I thought I should explain it. It is, uh, a year-long culmination, So all the winners from the past year will be competing against each other and Slam Off will be happening in March. March 15th is uh, the Slam Off. And so there, we have 10 storytellers who will be competing against each other and uh, and they will take home total glory. So it's a big night we have a program we have with featuring all the writers we have a trophy it's uh it's, it'll be a pat room because they bring all their friends and family hmm. so it's it's a it's a really exciting night uh, uh that we'll have uh in march
1: cool we'll have to go early then
2: yeah yeah
1: get a seat. Yeah.
2: Yeah. There there's been, yeah. Standing room only. The Mercury room has been really good at letting us squeeze as many people in as we want. So, uh, cause I know in other venues we've had to turn people away, which I hate that completely. Mm-hmm. So the Mercury room has been good. It just, I just keep squeezing people in. I'm like, okay, that's awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's a nice venue for sure.
2: Yeah. yeah. They've been really good to us. They give us the venue for free. Um, and, uh, yeah, they, so they just make money off whatever sales bar sales. So we really appreciate, um, that they have done that for us.
1: And so does the Edmonton story slam have any ties to the moth organization in New York or it's just,
2: no, yeah, no, we're standalone. We're, we did, we are a nonprofit, so we have nonprofit status and I have to fill out lots of forms every year for that. But that's <laughs> besides all that fun work, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and no one's getting paid for this. It's, it's, a it's definitely a passion, a volunteer passion to keep this alive. And, uh, I think the most important thing about Story Slam is that there is no censorship. Uh, people can say what they want at Story Slam and we, uh, um, it's up to the judges to decide whether or not that's appropriate or not. Um, I think uh, freedom of speech is very important. And we actually partnered with the Edmonton Public Library for February on Freedom to Read Week. So that was a nice partnership uh, that we have with the library. We also have partnered with Lit Fest, which is a nonfiction uh, festival that happens in October every year. So we're proud to partner with them. And uh, and we also partner with OnSpec, which is a sci-fi uh, month in July. So we have a few partnerships that we have. Um, But for the most part, there's no themes. People can talk about what they want. But, um, yeah, we have for a few months anyway, some partnerships uh, with meaningful organizations.
1: Okay, yeah, I didn't actually notice that. I saw your, like, supporters were um, the City of Edmonton and the Arts Council. And I saw Onspec. I didn't realize that's what it was.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah, I should mention City of Edmonton and Alberta Arts Council gives us a, a, a grant to help us with some of the operating costs.
1: Oh, okay. That was, uh, one mm-hmm. of my questions that I had was like, how do you go about getting funding for story slams?
2: So- yeah. It's a, it's a grant that we can apply for. And, um, yeah, it doesn't cost us a lot to, to run because no staff obviously, or anything else, but you know, promotions, um, uh, and it really does work. I promoted, uh, the post on Facebook last month. I spent a bit more money and, uh, I had 14 storytellers. So that Facebook, isn't really going away is it
1: no no (laughs) i uh i understand i've done the same with the podcast like promoted it and i'm like oh it works because i too am not necessarily facebook friendly so (laughs) yeah
2: yeah for sure but no yeah it's um yeah we have um really good um creative people be part of story slam um definitely can't do it without the all the volunteers and all the supporters out there that come out month after out month. We have a lot of people that um, are regulars at Story Slam that that are uh, come out and tell stories. And I I always find the best stories are the ones that have a grain of truth or an element of truth to them. They can be very compelling, uh, very um, emotional, and you have to be able to open yourself up and be willing to share. So I really admire people that can get up and share parts of their life with with the audience like that
1: yeah that's that's uh i i see i when i was there it, it seemed like some people were there also maybe to get over their fear of like talking in front of a crowd right and that's one way to help for sure
2: it's uh yeah i think with my uh amazing 4-h experience doing speeches i <laughs> don't really have that fear However, uh, I have hosted a lot of story slams in which I get to introduce the speakers. I find that much easier to do than to be up on stage and telling your story and knowing that they are judging. So I was surprised the first time I went up to do a story. My hands were shaking and I did not expect to be nervous like that. But to know that people are grading you on your story and your writing is very personal and very emotional. So I do admire people that do that. I think my um, favorite story is Laura Lynn Johnson, who is a past winner from Story Slam. Oh yeah. Uh, She, uh, she said that um, she was, she told a story about how nervous she was when she first started doing Story Slam, that she would go to the bathroom, throw up, come back Uh, come out, do her story, go back in the bathroom, throw up. And I had no idea that this girl was so nervous. Uh, She seemed so confident. Her stories were so good. And I had no idea. I also didn't realize that um, I used to put, you know, we have a website and I used to put, you know, a little bit about what people told their story about. And at the one time I, you know, she told a story about dating and and I forget what exactly it was about, but it was about, I don't know, something about being slutty or something. And so I, I wrote something that was whimsical or just something on the website describing her story. But then she was laughing because I guess when she was dating guys, they would Google her and then that would come up. the Evanston, And I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Why didn't you tell me? I would have taken that down. And she's like, no, I thought it was funny. I'm like, no, I could have ruined your dating potential. <laughs> she's like, no, if they don't have a sense of humor, then and they don't, uh, deserve to go out with me. I'm like, okay, I'm so sorry, but I'm much more careful what I put because yeah. What I put out on the website, cause it's out there forever. Right. So yeah. <laughs> and it is, yeah, it, it can be very vulnerable sharing your stories with, with people.
1: Yeah. Laura Lynn Johnson's great. Um, she's, the, I bet, I guess she probably is the head of the creative mornings chapter, um, here in town. There's one in Grand Rapids where Paul is too. Um, But uh, yeah, and I think that's actually tomorrow. So (laughs) Um, uh, yeah. So you said there was, you do have a lot of regulars that come.
2: We do. We um, actually last month we had uh, only one or two. It was all Mm -hmm. new storytellers, which is really nice to see so many new storytellers, but we have, uh, yeah, we have, Sheree Twani, we have Liam Shaw, we have um, Kelsey Bayer, we have Omar Mualim, we, mm-hmm. we have Matthew McKenzie, Nitzon. Zahn. There's just, yeah, there's just so many, um, you know, and some people come and gone. Alyssa Hudson moved to Grand Prairie, which we're very sad to lose her. She was a regular storyteller, but um, people do move on and do other things. So we have to let them go and new people will step up and take their place.
1: Yeah, I feel like um, there was... Do you think there's, it feels like there was a lot of personal stories when I went, but is there, is it more people usually telling personal stories or do you get a lot of writers like trying out material?
2: It's, I feel like there's a combination. We have, um, uh, one person, Doreen Hayes, she is from the Maritimes and she just like, she's a storyteller. You can tell it because she's from the Maritimes. Mm. She goes up without any pen, without a paper. She just goes up and tells a story, which I think is a huge gift for people who can do that. I really admire them. And for others um, like Omar Muallam who is a writer here in the city, he will, he will write out his story. It's um, uh, definitely, he's a good storyteller too, but it's not, um, it's, it's not the same as Doreen that just kind of rolls off her tongue. So, uh, both is good and perfectly acceptable at story slam. And, and it's been a combination of people that have won, uh, by doing both practices.
1: Right. Cause the judges are random too. So you're always yeah. going to get somebody who likes what they like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, I, I heard an interview with, uh, Leah Tao, who was like a creative director for the moth for a number of years. And, um, And she was just talking about how they had started out and how it just ballooned and exploded. And it was really kind of interesting to read about how it took off. And obviously it's lasted here for many years. Like, why do you think it's so successful in Edmonton?
2: I think uh, the volunteers just have not been willing to give up on it. There were some months that it would be very slow and we'd be like, Oh, what are we doing wrong? And then we realized we're not doing anything wrong. We're providing And we shouldn't feel responsible for making it successful. All we can do is provide the venue for writers and people who want to share stories and be creative. We creating that place and that space for them to come and do that. So uh, as long as we are there and we're consistently, we find a venue that is open and welcoming and that we are open and open and welcoming that uh, it will be successful. And that's what has happened. So we've been very, Uh, lucky uh, in attracting some uh, good writers, good storytellers, people who are open uh, and willing to share their stories with the world. Um, We also, you know, need audience as well. So um, people who are willing to listen to the stories. And uh, I think it's good entertainment value for people to be able to come and just hang out. I think it it's probably a great first date night for, for some guy to be creative, to bring, you know, a first date to, to story slam. It's, uh, yeah, uh, a lot of the stories are funny, so they're amusing. Some of them, I have to say last month, it was very serious. It was an intense story slam. The stories were highly personal, um, talking about very deep issues from, um, uh, uh, race, racism to, um, uh, feeling abandoned by society to, um, you know uh to I mean, being spurned by by a lover like there were a lot of really intense serious issues uh, but luckily a couple of people came up and told lighter stories so it lightened the mood a little bit so it's good to have a combination of those types of storytellers out there
1: sure and last the last one was when you guys were partnered with the library for freedom of speech too so which maybe
2: made sense why mm-hmm. the stories were a bit heavier that month
1: yeah for sure yeah, it's probably good to have a, I, what I find interesting is then like if you wanted to do a story to then go up after that serious story would be – so it's really good that you have that process in hand where you're just like we're just drawing names out of a hat.
2: I, I did feel we had a guest host, um, Jillian, uh, Kelsey Bayer was, was uh, the host that month. And uh, I was like, oh, I'm s- sorry, this is an intense month. She, and she handled it very well. She She's also a teacher. So um, she was able to uh, be very professional and handle and try try and transition between each of the stories. So that's the job of the host to reflect <laughs> on what was just told and, you know, help the audience understand it and then be able to move on to the next storyteller.
1: Yeah. And so uh, obviously your host and everyone in the organization is volunteer only. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, uh, um, yeah, we're very lucky that people are willing to, it can be very, it can be a lot of fun hosting. It can also be a lot of pressure if you're not, because uh, you have to fill the time in between, between the stories, you have to think on your feet, you have to fill the space and you want to be entertaining and keep, keep it going. Uh, so that's part of the challenge of being the host. Um, it can be fun. Uh, I'll be hosting next month. So we'll see how prepared uh, I am for that. So <laughs> I'm just, yeah, yeah. I've been able to talk for, you know, over an hour here. So I'm thrilled with that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh but so, so it's all volunteers. So then where do you get your volunteers? Are they like former storytellers? And
2: yeah, uh, the, the board is, um, it, it is, um, mostly people that I personally know that, um, are, um, interested in storytelling. So we have, uh, Brie uh, one of the, um, hosts, uh, she's, uh, uh, a former teacher and, uh, now runs a day home. Uh, we have Tris Ber- Brzezinski. He is, uh, works for the city and is in communications. We have, uh, Amber Benders, who is also a fundraiser in, in the nonprofit world. Um, and, uh, and myself, and then, uh, my sister, Susan is still on the board, uh, Susan Hagen and, uh, and, and her husband's dot. So yeah, that's our, uh, that's our board and our, um, committee members. And then I'll draw on people, uh, you know, for, uh, past Story Slam winners to come up and host, and they've always been great at helping out with that.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. There was a past storyteller that hosted the night I was there. So yeah, yeah. That's really great that it's like this homegrown kind of organization.
2: <laughs> it is, and I've met some really interesting people. It's a a new community. It's one thing when you don't grow up here in Edmonton, you don't have the same people to draw on. So uh, being part of uh, a group like this has allowed me to meet a diverse group of people from all walks of life, which I really enjoy meeting new people.
1: Um, and, uh, and you and your sister kind of started it. Is that how? It-
2: yeah, it was uh, my sister. It was my sister. It was her idea, her baby. And I came on to support uh, after um, a few years. Um, she, um, uh, moved out of the city, uh, and was still part of it. Um, but, uh, um, gradually and eventually, um, you know, she, she had a child and had to, um, you know, drop off a bit. So she's still part of the board and we'll come out to some of them, but, um, uh, I'm now the president of the board and, uh, yeah. And driving a lot of these initiatives now.
1: That's great. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Um, yeah, so I was thinking just as uh, as we're talking about Story Slam that uh, me and Paul could tell you a story and sure. could be the judge. Okay.
2: <laughs> I, I feel like it won't be fair. Like it's, uh, yeah, there should be five judges, but I, I will do my best to be accurate and, uh, and, and fair with you guys.
1: We appreciate that. Yeah, well, and, you know, I have the the advantage of you as my audience where you don't get to see Paul.
2: It's true. Yeah. And I have no money to give you. So I'm so sorry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: Our victory can only be an honor tonight, Chris.
1: That's true. That's true. Well, I just put mine together before the show. So (laughs) you have an advantage, Paul. (laughs) So uh, who wants to go first?
0: I don't mind going first. Okay. If you would like. All right. All right. So, uh, this is a story all about how my life got flipped. No, um, (laughs) (laughs) sorry, roll that back. Um, so this story happened, uh, when I was, uh, 18 years old. I had just, uh, finished high school. I was getting ready for college. So it's the, uh, summer of would have been the summer of 1999 actually um and uh i was working the summer at my uh, my dad's factory um pretty long hours pretty hot uh summer and the factory did not have the greatest air conditioning system so uh i had come home from my shift uh it was um it, it, i was still just trying to cool off from, from working, I had some, some, uh, supper and outside I could hear, uh, my buddy's, uh, eighties Mustang. I think he had like an 84 Mustang, um, pull up and it was, it was pretty loud because, uh, he probably needed a new muffler. Um, and I hadn't really seen a whole lot of him because, uh, even though school had been out, we had both kind of started working. I was going to be going to college after the summer. Uh, he was thinking about doing some traveling. He didn't really have any kind of definitive plans. And so we just hadn't connected all that much. Uh, so I was interested to see, you know, why he uh, why he was coming over. And um, he had had a lot of things going on in his life at the time, too. So he was... Uh, really kind of trying to figure things out his parents had just gotten divorced um, he uh he and his mo- he was living with his mother but he and his mother weren't, weren't really getting along which is a pretty common thing to have happen when your parents have gotten divorced mm-hmm. um, and so he had he had come over um and uh he just asked me you know hey do you mind going for a drive with me um you know maybe we could go catch a movie or something like that, or just, you know, um, find something to do. I need, I need to take my mind off of things right now. And I said, sure. So, uh, so I got in the car and, uh, we hit the road and we started driving. I don't think he really had any particular place that he was deciding to go. I couldn't really figure out where we were going based on the roads he was taking. I was just, uh, kind of along for the ride. And, um, as is his way, Jay didn't really want to talk about what the actual problem was. I kind of figured out that uh, he and his mother had been arguing about something, and, and he just got frustrated and needed to get out of there. So he came to hang out with me for a while. Uh, and so we're driving down the road, and uh, it's an '84 4 Mustang. The AC has long been broken, so we've got the windows rolled all the way down because it is... Super hot in the summer, even though it's evening, it's still super hot. And uh, we're just driving down the road, middle of a farm field, not really anything around us, and uh, very suddenly, a, a gigantic wasp just gets, you know, basically sucked into the car through the through those windows, and uh, everybody's been in a car when all of a sudden a bee flies in. Uh, or a wasp <laughs> flies in, so you can imagine what the you know our mutual reaction was, which is basically you know kind of figuring out you know, get it away from me, get it away from you, get it away from me. <laughs> Let's try to get it back out the door. And the thing to know about Jay is that he is like deathly allergic to stings, and you know this was I don't want to say it was necessarily before we had Epi- epipens, but it wasn't something that you just kind of had an epipen with you. Um, and so he was freaking out even more than I was because he was like, if this thing stings me, we're in the middle of nowhere, Paul's going to have to drive my car to the hospital. And he starts really freaking out. He's driving the car. So he starts basically shaking the steering wheel and off the side of the road we go. Uh, and basically we hit like probably six of those little reflector posts that go along the side of the road, I'll, all along the driver's side of the car well eventually we come to a stop the wasp is nowhere to be found it probably flew out while we were freaking out and uh and we're looking at the car and it's you know it's it's an 84 mustang if you know what an 84 mustang looks like it it it's basically a hatchback. It was not like the most inspired design, uh, that Ford ever made for the Mustang, but <laughs> it was still a really sporty car under the hood. But at the same time, it had this, like, it's the eighties. Now we're going to try to make a car. That's maybe a little bit more economical on gas. And it's going to be a little more aerodynamic. It's not going to be, you know, this, uh, studly race car that we used to make. And, uh, but it was, you know, it was, it was a, it was a pretty good car. Um, and it was no longer a pretty good car because it had several <laughs> gashes all down the side of the car. And, and he's looking at this and he knows he's just had a big fight with his mom and he does not want to go home and face that, um, you know, and show <laughs> what he's done, uh, what he's done this evening. So I told him, you know, I'm going to go with you, but let's just go together, because maybe if I'm there, you know, it will will ease the brunt of it, and even if it doesn't ease the brunt of it, at least I'm hanging out with you, and I'm there, you know, to, you know, help you, Uh, and so we go home uh, to his house, and um, uh, he doesn't really waste a whole lot of time, I mean, we sat in the driveway for a minute or two, but he doesn't really waste any time, because he knows his mom's going to come out anyway and see what has happened. So he goes in and he, he gets his mom and she comes out and she's got a scowl on her face just because of the situation. And, uh, and she looks at the car and her scowl just kind of slowly melts and she starts to get this big grin on her face. And eventually she starts laughing and my friend Jay has got no idea what's going on in her head right now, because as far as he can tell, he's just trashed the car. It's the, it's the family car. Like it's the car that they both have to share to go places. So it's not like there's some, she's driving a beautiful Lincoln or something like that. It's like, this is the car that they have to share and and make work for the family for the rest of the summer. And, uh, and she just starts busting out laughing and, it, it it takes a good five minutes to get her calmed down to talk <laughs> to talk to us again. And uh and we finally, you know, what's going on? Why what is so funny? Why you know, are are you literally having a nervous breakdown right now because this is not a great situation that we're in? And the only thing she can say is your father loved that car. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Good twist ending. Very good. Thank you.
1: I like it. Nice. All right. <clears throat> so, in grade seven, I was out of school for two months because I was in bed for two months of bed rest. Uh, so, I was just minding my own business, and my ankle started to swell up, seemingly for no reason. It wasn't any sort of uh, athletic uh, injury or anything like that. The only sports that I did in grade seven was BMX and bowling. Um, Yes, that's... What I did, (laughs) I couldn't have picked two stranger pastimes if I was doing skydiving in Needlepoint. Um, And so we didn't know what was wrong with my ankle. And um, my mother had finally decided, like, we will not go to see our family doctor anymore. She was done with Dr. Grassman, who was never quite to her liking. He actually at one point misdiagnosed the psoriasis spots on my head as a child and um, thought it was just warts. So he shaved various spots on my head and tried to burn them off. So my mother was like not happy with this man who made her young little boy look so silly. Um, And he actually taught me about karma, Dr. Grassman, because – one time I was sick also as a boy and we went to see him and my mom in the car was like, you know, you're going to get a shot. It's probably the flu. You're going to get a shot when we get there. And so anxiety was ticking away inside of me and uh, and we get there and Dr. Grassman says, here's a prescription. Um, you guys can stop on your way home to get that for Chris. Now, Chris, I need you to step out of the door so that I can give your mother a shot because uh, I don't want her to get sick because of what you have. And so that's when I learned what karma was, (laughs) but uh, he was a, he was a scary looking doctor, like the doctor from cannonball run. So I don't know now that I'm older, maybe my mom thought he was a little creepy. I don't know. But uh, so we decided to actually go to a pediatrician and Dr. Alkema checked out my ankle. And so then he sent me to get many, many, many tests trying to figure it out. And the one thing I remember about this new pediatrician was that not only did he have a waiting room, but he had a sick child waiting room and there was like a window between the two. So I I guess if your child was sick, you could then take them into that waiting room while you went into the other waiting room and monitored them through the window. It was just very strange looking through the window at kids in the sick room. And as we all know, when we were children, like the waiting room never has like the best toys. They're already 10 years old. So just imagine the sick child waiting room had way worse toys. (laughs) Um, And so He ran all these tests and he couldn't quite figure it out. So the next best step for every doctor is to send me to a specialist. So I went to see a foot specialist and the foot specialist was also not quite sure what was going on. So the next step was an arthritis specialist. (laughs) And so the arthritis specialist found some evidence that maybe my knees and perhaps this ankle had some arthritis that young people can get and typically grow out of, I believe. And, uh, and so they weren't quite satisfied with that. So they sent me to get what was then called a gallium scan. And I had to lay very still, while this machine hovered over me for, I think, an hour and a half, taking a scan of my body, and they injected me with something so that I was irradiated or glowed in a certain way for this gallium scan. And um, I had an allergic reaction to that. So it was the strangest thing. I felt like I was in a movie because... I would get these little red cir- perfect circles under my skin. They weren't like bumps or hives, just these little red things up and down my arm and on my chest. And it happened for probably three years after that. Every now and then my body would just be like, oh, here, here's some red circles, Chris. Um, <laughs> it was very strange. So after all of that, um that scan and then... They sent me after the scan to a heart doctor because they thought something was kind of weird going on. And then things got scary. And so it turned out that what I had, I contracted uh, a disease called rheumatic fever that only so many children or people actually get from having strep throat. And rheumatic fever is a really amazing disease because what it does is it inflames a joint. And so while I'm going from doctor to doctor to figure this out, it's actually clogging the arteries in my heart. <laughs> and so it was a really strange thing. And for whatever reason, Dr. Elkema never could figure it out. In fact, stayed my doctor well past my 18th birthday because he thought I was like amazing to study. (laughs) And, um, they could never figure out why it stayed in my ankle because typically rheumatic fever bounces around from joint to joint, like elbow, knee and hip. And it just goes everywhere. And unfortunately, sometimes it can go to the brain, but, um, so, the cure once they figured it out, was bed rest <laughs> and uh <laughs> and so, I was like, "Oh, well, that's weird and Then, I wasn't very good at bed rest, and so they put me in the hospital for a week to monitor me because they said I wasn't getting any better. And so I had to learn my lesson because the threat of a hospital was, you know, if things don't change, we're going to have to give you a plastic valve in your heart. And that was very scary. And that forced me to stay in my bed. And so I missed a lot of school, but I got cards from the class. And my English class, I remember, gave me a card. That was really nice. And so I managed to pull through. And, of course, one great thing about having rheumatic fever and being bedridden for 2 months is what is a young boy going to do so my parents got me a TV for my room and so that was like the ooh like i have a TV in my room none of my friends have that and of course nowadays my TV was like the size of like an ipad or smaller <laughs> so it was quite interesting but finally, when I'm going back to school, like now there's a lot of anxiety. Like I've been gone. Like, am I going to be teased by everyone? Chris was sick. Um, you know, are are they going to like avoid me? Like what's going to happen? Because kids at school can be really mean. And so I'm really worried about going back to school, but at the same time, oh my gosh, I'm not lying in bed. Um, and so I show up to school and I go to my first class and then the bell rings and we're switching classes. And so somebody who wasn't really one of my friends walks up to me and says, uh, so, so you're back now. Is everything okay? I said, yeah. He's like, so you got to tell me what is this romantic fever you had? (laughs) 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 And then ever since then, I've just been like, I had romantic fever. That's a much better way to say it.
2: <laughs> See, I liked, I like both stories. They're very good. They had good endings. Like it's good to bring that little twist to the end of, um, I think that's some, you know, people will list a, lot, a bunch of interesting things that happened to them, but not have anything like a little bit of a, um, yeah, that little ending, that little twist to the end. So I like that um, from both stories. But I think, Paul, I think you're the winner of this one um I liked how uh you were able to um bring it uh to that you know you know the mom being mad and then um and and just how' you know how much is it impacted your about the divorce and and then just how it was all OK, because the dad would be uh, love that car. So she was OK with it. So uh, I think that. Uh, yeah, I think you're you're the winner. Sorry, Chris. I know I'm sitting in the room with you and it's probably dangerous. But yeah. So that's,
0: uh, yeah. Well, thank you.
2: Well, and I, I, all you get is my 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 one judgment and no other glories. So sorry about that. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> I'll take it.
1: <laughs> well, it's good. Paul doesn't usually fare well in the quizzes, so <laughs> that's true. Good for him to take home a win, <laughs> it doesn't help that the person who makes the quizzes is me and knows what Paul knows. <laughs> But it's all about making the guests look good. That's right. Exactly. Um, yeah. Well, thank you for making me lose. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, we, if you you want to wrap up, we can totally wrap up. So. Yeah,
2: so I'm going to wrap up. Thanks, everyone, for having me, <laughs> listening to me, rant.
1: Gotcha. Um, is there something that you want to plug before you go? Like uh, anything going on, new events coming up for MS Society or –
2: no, I just, uh, we again have the Johnson MS Bike Tour, June 10th and 11th. We have the Edmonton Jamin Bill to MS Walk happening May uh, Sunday, May 25th. Uh, those are two big events coming up at the MS Society. Uh, we have for Edmonton Story Slam. We have at the Mercury Room, uh, uh, third Wednesday of every month, Story Slam. And uh, for the Human Venture, uh, March 8th, uh, the... The uh, introductory session on human venture. If you want to learn more, uh, please come out to that.
1: All that from memory. Good job. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, And the story slam. Do you do it? uh, There's ten winners, and they go to the slam off. So we
2: sometimes have repeat winners throughout the year. So oh, okay. And then sometimes we have ties. So it worked out. uh, uh, I think we had two repeat winners, but then we had one tie, and so it worked out to ten okay over.
1: i was like wait do you take that months off like <laughs> no, no no
2: no we we go every month uh even in august so i highly recommend coming out in august because there's um uh usually less storytellers in august and oh okay and chance of uh winning i say that now and then everyone will come out in august so, um, They'll make me a liar.
1: <laughs> awesome that's exciting cool yeah and i yeah, we can talk later. But, yeah, if you wanted us to, like, record, like, a whole slam or something like that, that'd be kind of interesting. That'd be
2: amazing. Um, uh, I have in the past recorded slams and put them on the mm. website. Okay. Uh, but it's um, – um, I don't uh, – yeah, I just don't have the time uh, necessarily to sure. do that. So anytime you want to come out and record a slam and, uh, yeah, that that's, you're more than welcome to do that. I Yeah, uh, most people are pretty good about uh, uh, giving permission to put it up. Right. Stories. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah, that's yeah. a complicated thing.
2: I, I had one person once say, Well, my father in law actually doesn't know the story, so can you not put my story up on, on the web? And like, I, <laughs> I obliged him. I'm like, Yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah.
1: <laughs> of course. Yeah, for sure. Um, is there, do you want to, the traditional quote unquote podcast thing is to, sign off is there do you have a twitter account or if people are interested in getting a hold of you is, do you want to leave any of that information you don't have to feel pressure to no it. yeah yeah <laughs> uh, you can
2: follow uh edmonton story slam um cool at edmonton story slam you can follow me at Allison Hagen. i have five followers yeah so yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh i need to be i'm better at tweeting for story slam than myself uh but yeah if anyone wants to follow me they're more than welcome to
1: well, really, thanks again for giving us your evening to chat. Yeah. It was really wonderful to learn yeah, no, a lot of this stuff.
2: Thank you both so much. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Chris.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Uh we might as well just sign off and end early, don't you think? Sure. We could do sure. that. Yeah, okay. Where could people find us, Chris? They can find us <laughs> at uh, montrealsauce.com. Oh, or they can find us individually. Oh, okay. They can find me at uh what is it? At Sick Days S I K K D A Y S on Twitter. Um and possibly sickdays.me. It should work for everyone else, but not me. I just let that domain expire today, actually. Uh-huh. <laughs> <accident. So. clears throat>
0: Funny. Uh and uh I am at Paul D on Twitter. Uh, or you can go to padizio.com, P-A-D-I-Z-I-O to, uh, find links to all the other various places that you can find me, uh, on the web, including Montreal Sauce and, uh, patreon.com slash msauce to, uh, uh, patronize the show, which helps us, uh, you know, keep making it, which is cool.
1: Yeah. And buy fun audio gear. But, uh, anyway, um... Yeah, and and I just wanted to mention in two weeks we'll be back on the 9th, I believe. Uh, We're back to make up that episode that we missed with uh, author, artist, and friend Dan Hogan from Clattertron.com. So please tune in. Yes, definitely. Uh, All right. Thanks again to everyone who listened. And uh, we will see you or you will hear us later. Something like that. If life gives you potatoes, make poutine. That's right. There you go.
0: Good night, everybody. Good night.